0: Okay, and if you're ready, we can start.
1: Welcome aboard to the flight attendant podcast. The seatbelt signs on. It's gonna be
0: a rough ride. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Flight attendant podcast. My name is B and this week we have Molly joining us. She's another flight attendant that works with me. I've actually have never met her before. Uh, we just kind of became friends on Facebook and then here she is. <laughs> so <laughs> hi guys. <laughs> uh, so how long have you been a flight attendant? Um,
1: I've been a flight attendant for three and a half years now. It seems like much longer some days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even remember what it was like before I wasn't a flight attendant. Same. It's like <laughs> a whole different time. <laughs> um, so we're gonna just like go over a couple of news. Do so You see the new uh, mask mandate now that it's uh, federal law that they have to wear a mask on the plane.
1: Yes, and I've been on um, one trip since that happened, and I don't necessarily feel like I did anything to, like, lessen or make it better or anything, but hopefully it'll make things get better.
0: I hope so. Um, I mean, it came with a new precedent and everything, so that's, that's amazing, I think, for us, just having that extra, like, backing behind us, because... We do have, and I, I mean, I've been flying the entire time up until this month, but we've had so many issues with like, oh, my son can't wear a mask. There's like a medical exception. And like, we don't have medical exceptions. I don't think any airline has had any medical exceptions. So it's it's great that now it is an executive, ordering, an executive order for us, because now we can say that it, you are breaking the law. <laughs> if you're not wearing it. So I feel like that's amazing. And then uh, with the payroll protection program, hopefully that passes through like more employees, more airline employees can come back, not just in flight, but all across the airline industry, because it, it may not see it because a lot of people are still kind of, you know, getting going through the motions, but it, it's definitely affecting every single part of our industry. Have you noticed any? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been, I've been reading the news this week and I have been seeing like some more notices go out and things like that. It's making me nervous again. I hate watching it just for like (laughs) our industry, just like everything. Like I feel like we've been through it. And like, I also just wish that like we got a little bit more support, which is why I'm really glad they finally put the mandate in place. Um, with like what we've been having to deal with in order to help people travel this whole time.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you said that you, um, you're, you're kind of like worried about the war notices. Did you get a war notice when all of this broke out?
1: No, I didn't. I am kind of, I guess like mid-level seniority at my company. And so I, I was safe and I, um, was fortunate enough to be able to take, um, several months of voluntary leave and things like that. And so, um, I didn't really come back to flying until um right around the
0: holidays. Oh, that's nice. And then I've been flying. Since then, so. How was, how did the holidays traveling or holiday traveler holiday season? What go for you from like, <laughs> from this year to last year? Did you fly last year or, you know, like, yeah.
1: In 2019? So, so I felt like, um, just like where I was at and what like holiday schedule I got, I wasn't as much of a fan. Like I, because we had a full flight schedule in the holidays in 2019, I was able to, um, have a little bit more flexibility. And this year I flew over Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, and New Year's day. Oh, Since wow. I wasn't home. I got home late on Christmas day and late on New Year's day. Um, both, both times. And, um, then had no break, went right into being, um, on reserve for the first time in two and a half years in January. And it was awful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Not ready. (laughs) I I mean, I feel like for me, I haven't, I haven't been on reserve for like five years. So I don't know what I would do if I had to go back. I can only imagine. And I did think about, um, bidding for reserve in, um, um, in January, but I was like, "Well, you know what? It's right after the holidays, and not a lot of people are going to be traveling. So I'll just stick it out with what I had." And then at the end of the month, I ended up being exposed to COVID, so I had to like, been, I, I was pulled no. off on my last trip. Just crazy. <laughs> I'm like, no, for ten like... months I flew no. and nothing, <laughs> but I finally, I just, I was like, I can't do this, so I just took off February. So, so what did you do? Yeah, that's
1: part of what made me, go ahead. Oh, sorry. But that's part of what made being on reserve, um, like kind of hard for me. My parents ended up getting COVID right after the holidays. And so I was on call, not always at home and trying to constantly check in on my parents, but I couldn't go see them and like drop on my trips. Like I might have, if I was a, a line holder. And so it was rough. I bet. Um, So I just got to see them last week (laughs) when they were cleared.
0: That's good. That's good. I'm glad we got to hear that. Um, So what did you do during your COVID uh, freeless or you know flight? I can't speak today for some reason when you weren't flying during COVID.
1: So, um, like the first. So I actually got exposed on uh in March so I got pulled off like this is before we even really had procedures I I called out for a trip and then end up dropping another trip because like we hadn't clarified yet exactly what you were even supposed to do and I was um quarantined in my apartment. I was so not ready for that. It was so weird after going from like I had flown like almost the max that we're allowed to fly in our airline in February to being at my house by myself for two weeks. It was weird. It was really weird. And um then in April when I like I had just gotten cleared from my like being quarantined and I didn't get sick. I was fine. Um I went on like one trip, I think like maybe like a two day or something yeah. and then work to turn and then everything else got canceled on my schedule. Like pretty much everybody's yeah. in April. And so it was weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I the first, like the first week I was like, yeah, I don't have to go to work. And then like, f- like three weeks in and I am just like, okay, this is like my 16th loaf of bread. <laughs> Yeah. So
1: I had already been stuck at home for two weeks before all of our flights got canceled in April. So I was not really about it. I was like, I'm done with it. I live, I live by myself. So I was by myself with my cat and pretty sure my cat was like, when is this girl going to go to work (laughs) so that I can eat all the snacks?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. My cats are at least the doctor that's my boy cat he loved um he loved being here because he would constantly be around me the girl she really doesn't care but <laughs> he was like you're here beat you me yeah once
1: she figured out that we were in it for a long haul she she was a little bit more about it I think she was just disoriented because she's used to me being home for like a couple days at a time and then gone for a couple days and then back. And so, yeah. She wasn't really ready for me to be home all,
0: all day, <laughs> all, the time, all the time, and she's like, "Don't even leave to go hang out with your friends." Like, right. <laughs> like what is happening? I was thinking when I was, you know, uh, <laughs> right? I was thinking when I was home, I'd be like, I should probably potty train my cats so I can stop using litter, but it just didn't happen.
1: <laughs> I think we all had those weird like uh, shelter in place ideas that we thought we were going to do. Um, but yeah, so I, the rest of the time in April, after I kind of like got past being really bored and cleaned my apartment 9 million times and reorganized everything, I, um, started working on finishing. I had already Done like half of the hours. Um, and I finished my real estate license. Um, so that's what I spent most of the rest of April doing. Um, and then the other part of April, I spent um, I, I call it extreme online shopping because I think I knocked out everyone's Amazon orders. Um, I started looking at houses because I was finishing my real estate license and I um accidentally in the middle of shelter in place. <laughs> Um, found my house that I'm in now today um, and bought my house. So I, everyone's husbands can say whatever they want about the, all their Amazon orders. Like, unless you basically bought a house from extreme online shopping, like you ain't got nothing on me.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I accidentally bought my car online from Carvana. Okay, that's close. <laughs> You're the only person I've heard that's come
1: close. I did actually, it's so one of my, um, other realtor friends who was helping me um get through kind of the last part of my study and getting ready for my exam um he was like well let's go look at it and we were just thinking like we were bored we are going to get out of the house and like do something like this the house my house and the other houses we looked at that day were vacant so we weren't going in people's houses during shelter in place because i know people get thinking about that we were being safe um and so this was actually The second house we wanted to look at, but other people were looking at it that afternoon. It wasn't the original first house I found online, but I had seen it and I thought it was cute, but I thought it wasn't in my price range and there was a price drop on it. And so um, that's how we ended up. We were just, we weren't really goofing around. Like I seriously had been considering buying a house (laughs) for a while. But I wasn't necessarily planning to buy one that day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, sure, just bag it up for me, please.
1: (laughs) Well, I was planning to, you know, wait until I got my own license so that I could kind of learn and do like my first personal deal and just have my like mentor and everything walk me through it. Um, But I I ended up my friend with my realtor because I hadn't, I couldn't get into the um, exam yeah in time to be able to put an offer um I was like waiting to sit I was waiting for my background check to be cleared to sit for my exam when we um Looked like the started manager. the process yeah my house. So,
0: yeah see it's yeah. too bad that you don't live here because I'm actually looking for a house now <laughs> well I do my brokerage
1: is amazing and it's nation well it's actually it's a global brokerage so if you don't already have an agent let's chat after this I'll hook you up with one of my one of my people in Chicago
0: for sure. For sure. Let's do that. Because <laughs> yeah, so when I, when I bought my car on a Sunday morning. I don't know. I, like, I was just like looking. I got an email that said it was pre-approved. And I had just finished paying off my other car. But I was like, I really don't need one. But let me look what's going on. And then I was like, Oh, like, this is cute. And then I just kind of like went through the motions. And I'm like, I wonder how much I'd actually pay. And I put all my info in and then I hit submit. And it was like, congratulations, you bought a car. And I was like, excuse me, what? It's like, it's going to be delivered on Wednesday. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess it's here. we are just like, I did that. Okay, so what kind of car did you get? And do you love it? I love it. It's a, it's a, a 2018 Buick Encore. It's like a little SUV. Ooh. I know. And it's my favorite color too. So it's kind of exciting.
1: I like it. Okay. I approve
0: of our quarantine purchases. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so it's uh it's been it's 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 been good 2020 was actually not a bad year apart from like the whole quarantining situation and not being able to travel personal growth was actually really good for me and I hope that it was like a good personal growth for a lot of people so and it sounds like it was for you as well
1: yeah that's how I felt too um I I felt like I it was really weird because a lot of people seemed to be ha- not that I wasn't having a rough time, like pandemic-wise and things like that. Like everybody was, and like it, it sucked not being able to travel because I finally, well, I was debt free, but then I bought a house. But still, like I, it, I didn't change my monthly budget too much. Like mm-hmm. I, I very much like bought in my budget, um, and so I finally had like the. Time and because I had like a decent schedule before the pandemic and like the the free money like well not free money but I had like the money available in my budget to really be able to travel more and I felt like all my travel plans got wrecked.
0: <laughs> I know. Were you supposed
1: to take any fun trips last year? Um, So I was supposed to kind of tag along with some of my friends to Colombia for one of our other friends' weddings. Um, I, we had been discussing, but hadn't booked anything because that was when the first reports of the virus started coming out. We were talking about, um, also going to Peru mm-hmm. and, um, hiking and going to Machu Picchu. Yeah. Um, so that was also in the works. And then I had really wanted to go to Hawaii for my birthday and Hawaii actually opened back up to tourism with like testing and like the small, shorter quarantine period on my birthday. But, um, it was just a bridge too far with everything that was going on for me right. to be able to, go. or maybe, maybe if things start to get a little bit better with the vaccines. I might go sometime this year.
0: Well, hopefully so. that's good. That should be good. Like, I have a... <laughs> Why? I my fingers crossed for you. Yeah. I was supposed to go to Scotland last year. Um, I've already been, and I love it there, but I was supposed to take my best friend back with me. And then I wanted to go back to Italy, but of course that didn't happen either. So, um, I really didn't do traveling last year apart from like a little road trip at the end of the year, but that was it. I don't think
1: I went anywhere really. Like, I mean, I went places for work, but like, I don't, I didn't fly. I think that this is really weird. The only place I flew for like leisure in 2020 actually was when I flew home from Houston because I flew to my best friend's house for New Year's Eve and then flew home. <laughs> and then I worked a whole bunch in February mm-hmm. um, because I was planning to go on those other trips. And that right. was my plan for March also. And then in April and May, I was going to kind of like work less and go on all these trips and did not happen. <laughs> right. Um, like I think I actually like, yeah, I think one of my vacation weeks was in May. And so I just got paid
0: out with our, yeah.
1: our little with, leave. With the leave. That we yeah.
0: Yeah. I uh I don't even know when my I think I had finished my vacation by the time quarantine started and everything. So I had I was supposed to go to New York last year at the end of February, but I actually ended up getting sick. Um I don't know if it was COVID or not, but I just had like a fever for like a week and a half and it just would not break with anything at all. So it's just yeah. bed. the entire time I would like wake up, drink water, take a, a Tylenol, eat and go back to sleep. I did that for like my entire, t- like two weeks that I was off for vacation. And, um, uh-huh. I <laughs> all right. but, um, and so I just, you know, but then quarantine happened. I was like, well, here I am. I have nothing to do. And when I went back to flying, it was really tough at the beginning because people were just not wanting to take, you know, put the mask on. And then there was like this lull where like everybody was like on it, like putting their mask on, following the instructions, like following policy. And then towards holidays again, everybody was like mask under their nose, like (laughs) just not wanting to comply. I just, so by then I was like, I am done. I am so done. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think. Okay. So I flew in July, a couple of trips. Mm-hmm. I did not fly like a full schedule by any means. Cause that was the month that I actually had my first closing. Um, but I, um, I flew in July and I feel like that people were really respectful, really following rules a little bit. Like they're the kind of the outliers and from like, States like where I live in Texas, where we had just started mask mandates at the end of June, but then like most of the rest of the country kind of had already been doing the mask thing. And so it was not so bad. And then I definitely agree when I came back um, for the holidays, I'm trying to remember if I flew any time between then and I think I just flew in July and then didn't go back until November.
0: I was going to take, so I was going to take off, um, August, September, October, if I could have, but when I took off in June, um, there was some issue with the unemployment office and then I just didn't get paid. So I was like, well, I thankfully had savings, but I was like, I don't have enough savings again for like not to get paid again. So, I just didn't. And then finally, after my appeal with that, then I was, then I got paid my back pay for June. And I was like, well, you know, I'm already working. It's fine. I'll just keep working. And then by then the, um, like the additional $600 had gone away. So I was like, well, there's no way that I could make it just on unemployment, you know? So
1: yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I had a similar thing happen. So when I took it in May, it almost messed up the closing of my house, because you tried to say that I had quit my job. And, uh, and like, if you think about it, the way that our like paychecks worked, we still got full pay from April, like even though because they had pay protected us. So I actually had my normal income approximately because I had already picked up and done everything with our schedules and everything before we got pay protected because we kind of knew that might be coming. And so I picked up to like the normal amount that I normally fly. And also I didn't have my real estate license yet. And so, um, I got paid like a pretty normal amount in May. So I was fine when we were on, when, um, I was on leave in May and then I couldn't apply because we were still finishing closing my, um, loan. Um, in june like i didn't want to mess up buying my house since i still was kind of okay and so i really it wasn't really an issue for me until the end of june and i had um gotten my license and closed a few leases so i still was like not even able to really it was horrible i'm in texas um and so so many people were calling Um, because our bars and restaurants had been shut down for like months at this time. And so it was almost impossible to get through to um, the Texas Workforce Commission to even start your unemployment claim. And so like, I couldn't even get through to apply. And then I went back to work in July. And of course, in July I also closed my first um, sale. And so then I was like, well, now I can take off for August. So I did. And I just kind of kept like that momentum going a little bit. Mm -hmm. And because I was closing, not like quickly or anything, but because I was closing on, um, uh, home sales and leases, I was able to, to stay off through October with, with the way, um, our leave was set up. And then honestly, I could have definitely taken off in December. Um, but there was no way they were going to offer us leave in December (laughs) with the amount (laughs) of people that were trying to travel. So I just flew two long, long four days and, like, a couple turns.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I worked straight from um, December 21st through January 11th. So, that was, like, 22 days in a row that I did not have a day off. Yeah. And after that, I was, like, I give up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mine was not quite that bad. I worked December 22nd. Yeah, December 22nd through the 25th. And then I was home. And then December, what was it like 29th? And I did go December 29th all the way to January 4th. And that was too much. Cause it wasn't trips. I picked some of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did some interesting red eye flights that I was not a fan. I Cause I had been so on like a normal sleep schedule and like Setting up my schedule to where like I was flying during the days and stuff because I got into such like a normal person routine and not like the flight attendant sleep life.
0: And right. So I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like what <laughs> I did. I did for some reason all of my trips in December had red eyes, and I was like, "Why though? Like why?" And it why was. I do this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and but it was like, but I did it to myself because I picked the highest um, credit. Line that was available without looking at the trips. Oh no, that's (laughs) the worst because you're like,
1: I'm gonna make money for the holidays, and then you're like, you get on the trip, and you're like, I really wish I was asleep right now. I hope this book is good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I was just like, no, I was like, never again. And it's actually like now part of my bid options. I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's the way to go for sure. Yeah. If you can avoid it with your schedule, if you don't have specific days you you know, I, I always try to bid no red eyes, except for we have, um, we have some red eye turns, um, in my base that actually people like, cause they are kind of nice to just like get it over with. And you can still do whatever you need during the day. Right. So when I was on reserve, that's what I would pick up a lot. Cause then I still got my days off to run errands, but then I was able to, uh, like get some extra hours in. Right. I used to be a little workaholic before I got my real estate license. Now I'm like, now I have, I'm going to go show people houses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I need to, I need to find something for me to do one because I have, I do stuff on the side. Like I'll do upholstery and I'll do like, mm-hmm. I'll help my mom out with whatever she needs done. But like, I don't have like a steady flow of income because I could just like, there's nothing that like really interests me. Apart, oh, you gotta find that
1: being your passion. Yeah, about.
0: yeah. So like you know, I've I've done the upholstery, and whenever people find me, because they're usually trying to find my dad and my dad who passed away, you know, about ten years ago. So like they were like, oh, it's like is he around it's like oh he's no longer but like I can help you if you need it or whatever and that's usually how people find me um and then I'll do like I'll teach Zumba on the side as well but I have not taught Mm -hmm. Zumba in about a year so like like, are y'all because you're up in Chicago Mm -hmm.
1: so how is it for y'all because I know like it's basically like the wild west down here in Texas
0: yeah, so I'm actually not quite in Chicago proper. I'm, I'm like just south of it in Northwest Indiana, which is great because Indiana is half open, so mm-hmm. the gyms are open. But I used to teach at the Y, and they cut back a lot of their stuff when everything hit. So I just haven't even been in there. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and it's
1: just and that's how our Y is here now too. Like it's open. Like the there's places that are open, but they don't have like the group classes. Right. like they had which I honestly, I'm, I'm very pro group class. Like, I don't like trying to figure out what I have to do when I'm at the gym. I want someone to tell me what to do. (laughs)
0: Right? Like I don't, I look at the machines and I'm just like, "Mm, mm, next maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I look around and see what other people are doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank God for my trainer because no, like me planning my own workout would consist of me literally like staring at the machine, deciding that I couldn't do it, even though I definitely could. And then putting my headphones in and going and running on the treadmill, which is the same thing I do when I'm not at the gym, I run outside. And so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I work with, I work out with my trainer a couple times a month so that I can get better at weighted
0: exercise. So I, I, should, I should look into that too. see so if I can get a trainer here um so what got you into real estate
1: um so my dad is a cpa and um so and he has had his own um tax firm here in um dfw for I don't probably like over twenty years. now. I'm not even sure anymore. Oh, wow. Um, it they bought they bought um like a client list when I was um in elementary school, mm-hmm. and we've been doing it ever since. So I I also sometimes moonlight as an accounting assistant. <laughs> when when they get really busy, it's about to be tax season. So I I know um if I if I end if we get an option to take leave in March, my parents are like, do it. You can come help, and I'm <laughs> be like, oh. You'd have been like, no Um, mom, dad, no, sorry. (laughs) No, but that's, that's the other reason, um, during when we were on leave and stuff, I helped my parents out a little bit too, because tax season last year kept getting extended and Mm -hmm. they were helping everybody get PPP loans. So it was wild. It was wild. Um, they were like, my parents were working like 80 hour weeks just to like get everybody's try to, yeah. Um, but so, uh, I I come from like my dad is an entrepreneur. He runs his own um, small business, and so I've always kind of thought about wanting a business, but kind of like you for a long time, I couldn't figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And I'm always I mean like who doesn't love home design and like shopping for houses online and looking at pretty houses and all kinds of like like I think every every person likes it a little bit because we all want to have a cool place to live and right. a safe place to live and like a happy place to live and so when I first became a flight attendant, um, I, um, came from the corporate world. So I took a pay cut, like a lot of us did that came, came in from other careers. And, um, for a while I was kind of okay with it. And I still had, I mean, I still do, but I still had like a pretty good savings and things like that. And so I was not, I was lucky and fortunate. I never struggled to the extent that some flight attendants do, um, especially trying to like, learn how to live on our crazy pay the way they have it. Right. Um, and so I was really lucky, but then and it, then it got to kind of like what we were talking about. Like I wanted to be able to have a little bit more, um, money to travel and just do things I wanted to do kind of how I had when I had a corporate salary because, um, our schedules are a lot more flexible now. And so you have a lot more options. And so, um, I was kind of doing the work really hard for a couple months then like get to do whatever a little bit more what I wanted for a couple months and I would kind of go through that cycle and my dad ever since I started obviously he's an accountant so he could see the numbers like from miles away that like I obviously at some point was going to need to be doing if I wanted to continue living um my bougie which is not even really bougie lifestyle (laughs) I was gonna have to fly a lot (laughs) or do something else with flying and so he had kind of encouraged me even like back when I started, um, flying to start looking at real estate and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like my friends that were, I have some friends in real estate that are really successful. And then I have mm-hmm. some friends that really struggle. And I'm like, and especially like at that point in time beyond reserve, when you first start, like, I don't think there's no possible way I could have done it. Um, this past month was really hard. <laughs> it's the hardest month I right. had in in real estate period. Like even from the month I started, um, and so he just kind of has always pushed me to think about it. And I have a business degree. So, um, I definitely had like the knowledge. Um, I just, in Texas, you have to take 180 hours of coursework before you can sit for your state and national exam. Uh-huh. So in like mid 2019, um, I finally kind of gotten to that good balance with my like flight schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I think I might actually have time to do something like this. Um, so I'm going to start, start working on it. And um, one of my, my friend actually that helped me purchase my house was like, yes, do it. Like you've got this. And so um, I went really like gung ho, got like my first couple courses out of the way. And then like life happened. Um, I went through like a really horrible breakup and I just like, didn't really do anything but fly a lot and run a lot and, and just like enjoy time with my friends and try to like distract myself and, you know, move on. Like we all do when things like that happen. And so it kind of really got set aside until, um, the shelter in place. And then at that point I was like, well, I don't have anything better to do. I might as well do this. And that was when the real estate, it was right before the like real estate kind of started booming, like the market, the market rates, Um, for mortgages had already kind of started to drop down into the threes, like pretty solidly. Mm -hmm. And so um, in talking to my dad, I was like, well, I need, if I'm going to do this, I need to like do it and get it done. And I knew it was taking people a while to like be able to sit for their exam with like social distancing. And like some of the exam centers were closed because you have to go take it like actually in a proctored center. Um, That was really weird taking an exam in a mask. It helped me for when we did our, um, our annual training. Cause I was already used to, like, I had taken that way longer exam in a mask. And so I didn't fidget as much, but it was so bad. Like the poor proctor came by and was like, you can take your mask off. Cause you're six feet away. If it's making you that nervous, <laughs> it was so bad. she's like, just wait till you walk away. Cause I'm like over here trying to do real estate math. Right. Like with the calculator, which. Believe me, if you ever work with me as a realtor, I will get you the best lender and they're gonna be way better at math than me or I'm gonna be talking to my dad who's a CPA. I am not bad at math. I'm not trying to say that I am, but financing and like the real estate math that they make you do, no one should have to do without an Excel spreadsheet. It's not fair. Having to do with a calculator is not fun. No, no financial professional does it on a calculator. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like, shout out to my dad. He's how I passed finance <laughs> in college. <Hey. laughs> <laughs> um, dad. But so yeah. yeah. So that's how I got into real estate. And, um, kind of once I really finally jumped in, um, I'm really lucky. I have a friend who he buys a house every few years, moves into it, remodels it, sells it, buys another house. So he was in that buy cycle. He had just sold, um, Okay. the house that he had remodeled, it, it sat on the market because of the shelter in place. And so it was kind of all just like fell into place at that time. And he was ready to, um, start, um, looking at places and gave me, um, the opportunity to earn his business. And so I found him, that was my first clothing is one of my friends from my running group. Um, and he's got the house probably, I would say like he's, cause he does most of the work himself. Um, and then brings in like licensed contractors for like, plumbing and electricians when he needs it. And so he's probably about halfway through with that now. Cause like, he's also had to stop and start because building supplies, because everybody went like, gung-ho on remodeling their houses. Right. Um, are expensive and kind of hard to get sometimes, like especially lumber. And I know when I moved in my house, I didn't have curtains for like the first two months because they're back ordered at Target. And I literally <laughs> I wasn't even being picky about curtains. Like I have like gauzy white curtains. Like, like I just water. need curtains. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, y'all already have houses. Just keep your tacky curtains for a little while. Like I my neighbors can see me.
0: <laughs> you know what I did for buying for my windows here? Cause I, uh, when I my house, like I need to have like more space between me and my Dexner next, next door anywhere. I can see into their bathroom. Out of my window. So I just, oh. put, I know. So I just put, um, uh, the frosted film on my windows. So I can still get the, so I get the light in <laughs> so, but nobody can see.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was at that point where I was like, maybe I should just that literally was one of the solutions we came up with if my curtains kept getting back ordered, um, was that I was just going to buy a roll of frosted film because the main issue was my front windows that like face the street. Cause I have like my living area runs like all along the front of the house. And mm-hmm. then my, um, the bedrooms are like back, like I'm sitting on my couch right now, mm-hmm. B can see me motioning, <laughs> talking with my <laughs> The bedrooms like are back behind me, so they face right. the backyard. So it's not as big a deal. And of course, I'm a fly tenant. I had blackout curtains like right. prior, so I just moved them from my apartment to my house. So it was no big deal. And like my ba- the guest bedroom I use as my office, like it's not a big deal that there's not curtains because it faces like it's not like I have guests right now during right. during the pandemic. Yes. <laughs> it's just my cat sleeping on the bed that <laughs> occurs. <laughs> and um, so like, it's not a big deal that there's not curtains, and it. it's also like where I normally like sit in the mornings, like my desk is in there, and so it's kind of nice that there's it's bright. Like, but right. like facing the street, like I couldn't even walk through my living room, like into my kitchen, like, <laughs> You're like scantily clad. I had to be in like full on
0: pajamas <laughs> to like go
1: get a glass of water.
0: It was not working. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't imagine my so like for me, I just have the because I like light coming in. And it's so weird, because when I'm home, it can be daylight outside and I could be passed out in my bed. It's fine. But if I'm in like a hotel room, everything has to be like dark. I don't know. It's weird, but my mom is like the total opposite where she like, where she needs to have like curtains everywhere. And I'm just like, she's like, your room is so bright. You need some blackout, is <laughs> blackout curtains. I'm like, no mom, it's fine. She's like, no, no, no. Let's get you some. And I'm just like, no, no, no. So I, I only have, um, I have the frosted windows and then I have like just the shears and that's it. But the rest of the house, it's all like curtained up. <laughs> no. it's
1: so like in my living areas, I'm like you, I really like white. So I have like the very they're not quite sheer but like kind of like the gauzy linen Mm -hmm. um, curtains like all throughout like the living spaces in my house and then in my room I actually have it to where like when I'm not sleeping like the light is coming in I love light but when I'm trying to sleep right I think if I'm taking a nap I don't care I give zero like cares about anything I will take a nap whenever wherever it could you could shine a light in my face and if I want to take a nap I'm going to take a nap but when I'm trying to like go to sleep I have to have it dark
0: yeah I think that's sleep sleep so so I have like an eye mask too (laughs) oh that's nice for me has to be like cold and dark (laughs) and I'm good (laughs) no what did you do before um, you started flying um so before I started flying like
1: immediately before I started I had actually quit um, a job in corporate training that I really hated. And I was working, it was, I got hired on, um, at the beginning of May in 2017. And so I had actually been working for my parents that whole tax season. Cause mm-hmm. I was so miserable in my corporate job. And I told them, I was like, I know what I want to do. I want to go be a flight attendant. I want to travel. And, um, so I'm really, I was really lucky at that point in time. Um, the, Um, The other accountant that my parents had had working with them um, decided she wanted to um, spend more time with her kids because they were in elementary school at the time. And so I kind of like stepped in and took over her role for tax season while they were Mm -hmm. looking for another person to start. And so it just worked out really well. Just kind of one of those things like I don't every time I've wanted to transition careers, I've been really. Scared, but then, like, we're talking about the real estate thing, and then also becoming a flight attendant. Everything, once I took the leap, kind of fell into place for me. And so, um, I had quit my job probably like the prior fall, knowing that I was going to transition and work um crazy tax hours with my parents. Somehow, we all survived. Um, (laughs) and with the knowledge that they knew that if I got called to flight attendant training, I was. Like piecing out, right? And um, I the airline our airline was actually the uh, first one I got a in person interview with. Nice uh, it wasn't the last one, but it was the first one. And then they were also the first person offering a job. And like, if you know anything about being a flight attendant, which I know B does, um, it is so competitive. And so when you get that offer, it's like your golden ticket, and you go, yeah, you just take it. Yeah, and, so, yeah, um, and so I'm so thrilled I did. Um, but I worked in corporate training, so I worked like super long hours because I was, um, I worked in, in several different positions, but, uh, the position I was in the longest, I was basically the main corporate trainer for a software company. Mm-hmm. And so I sometimes would have to be at the office and I worked in downtown Dallas at the time. Um, I'd have to be downtown in my office by like six 30 or seven o'clock in the morning to start trainings and make sure the breakfast was there for trainings. Cause I like coordinated everything. Like I didn't right. just help with training and help with and things. Like I also made sure all the catering was set up and planned and like, right. every, like I was the training department plus like my <laughs> manager. And at the time, by the time that I kind of, I got into that point, she was doing a separate, like really intensive, um, culture um rollout kind of like the culture rollout mm-hmm. we had when I first started um, at our airline and so um she was like traveling to all our different offices like across um, the globe and so I was supporting her and keeping all of our normal right um, stuff going on and so um I just started getting burnt out and then I worked for a short time for, um, a JavaScript coding bootcamp as their, um, curriculum admin. And like, uh, I also ran their, um, like intern program and that was remote. So that was kind of my first taste of being able to travel. Um, and I worked on Pacific time and so, um, it just worked out really well for me. And I started traveling at that point in time, just kind of in the U S. and then I decided, um, to, um, I wasn't loving remote life because I really enjoy interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And so I transitioned to back to another corporate position and I ended up hating it. I ended up hating being back in an office, even though I got to interact, interact with people. Um, and so that's when I decided that I wanted to just travel. That's good. Out. That's
0: good. <laughs> I remember, um, cause I worked at a, um, when I was in college, I worked at a call center and I hated it and I hated it. So I, uh, so like that same summer, like I quit, I like walked in one day. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And the supervisor was like, what It's like, who are you? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, I'm quitting. And she goes like, okay, have a good day. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so like, I was literally just the Number to them. So then, um, I was like looking at different different jobs, and there was like this one for an insurance company. And I went to the interview and I was like, yeah, just like, I didn't really like my job. Like I was staring at a wall the entire day, like talking to like cold calls and stuff like that. And I'm not, you know, I don't like to do cold calls. And they were like, no, 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 that's not here at all. Like you're going to be answering phones and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. So I get there on my first day and I'm literally in a basement staring at the wall doing cold calls. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... I was like, no, I'm like, this is not gonna work out things. And I just like walked away. I was like, I don't so know. So if-
1: that is yeah, that is a little bit how how about going back into the office, the corporate office. I think I made it six or eight weeks or something. Yeah. And um it was not good. I'm not proud. This is the that's the only time I've ever quit without giving like a full two weeks or more notice from any right. job and I literally went in it was like a building where there was like secured access and my friend knew that I was really miserable like my my couple friends that I had made right. the time I was there which I'm actually still friends with some of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were great people I did it was just a miserable job and so I left my corporate laptop and everything and he actually like Put my little ID thing like into the ID return, (laughs) so I didn't even have to bring my ID back later. And I had I um, had already preset because I worked in like I was like a Gmail Outlook calendar whiz by this time in my career. I had set a scheduled email to send after I was already like on my way back to Fort Worth Um, (laughs) because at the time, not only was the job miserable. I had already moved to Fort Worth, um, earlier that summer and just the job I happened to get was in Dallas. And so I was commuting, like, it was a long, like, imagine driving from like the North side of Chicago to the South side of Chicago
0: during rush
1: hour. Oh yeah.
0: And then Dallas is just like, so like, there's just every time that I go there, like, there's always a different way to get to the same place. And it takes like twice as long for some reason. So
1: Dallas itself like is its whole own city that's like the size, like it's a it's one of the largest cities in the nation. And yeah. then Fort Worth is the like, I think it's the I know this because I I'm like sell real estate here. So I actually know the stats for Fort Worth. Like <laughs> the 13th largest city. So like a lot of people are like, when I say I'm from DFW, they're like, Oh, you're from Dallas. I'm like, no. I'm from Fort Worth, and it's way bigger than your city that you're trying to be like whatever about. Like my city, there's um, I think there. We I don't know if we popped over a million people yet, but we're right sitting right under a million people in the actual city of Fort Worth. Right, so if add in all of our suburbs, um, and things like that. We're well over a million, like in Tarrant County. Like mm-hmm. people who haven't you travel here a lot, yeah. I'm, and DFW is like a big hub for everybody, um but people don't realize the sheer size of DFW, like the actual whole area. Um, Like it's two, well, it's not even, it's more than two counties now. It's like, there's two, two of the largest counties in Texas mm-hmm. Um, are uh, Dallas County and Tarrant County and Tarrant County is where Fort Worth and Arlington are, which is where mm-hmm. the Cowboy Stadium and the Ranger Stadium is. And then there's also like a handful, probably like five or six other outlying counties that have like. Frisco, Grapevine, like stuff like that in it, and McKinney and Coppell, and like all, and then there's like all the stuff on the Fort Worth side, like Denton has like color, weather for and stuff like that. It's huge. Right. And so um, it's not a fun commute that was a really long way for me to explain that. Like you're literally driving halfway across of Texas. Not really. Yeah, <laughs> and halfway across Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, it's fine. <laughs> it's so, yeah, I, really I, funny when we're flying and the pilots were like, we're still, we're still we're above still. Texas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, still. Are you sure we're going over 500 miles an hour? they <laughs> are like, we're almost to El Paso. <laughs>
1: It's like that in a car, but worse. I know. <laughs> <Don't, right>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite layover that you've had so far?
1: Um, honestly, really funny. Um, so like my favorite layover to try to like just get like over mm-hmm. and over is um Chicago. I actually love Chicago. I lived in Chicago for a little bit of time for like one of my um projects uh with the software company I worked with. And so mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy it because I have friends that live up there and Um, our hotel is really close to, um, the blue line. So you can get downtown really easily. You don't have to mess with like Ubers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, or really anywhere in Chicago, you don't have to go down all the way downtown, quicker park, wherever. And, um, then, um, probably like my favorite layover that we have. Um, I really enjoy San Diego because they have the bikes and go bike riding,
0: just gorgeous weather. Every always. single person, every single person that I've interviewed has said San Diego.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so actually, our Fort Lauderdale Hotel, I realized when we were walking around, um, has bikes or it had a bike and it looked like there were spaces for a couple of more. So I'm kind of like.
0: Might be checking out the bike action. Right. I think in Myrtle Beach too, there's like a bike rack outside, but I think, but I didn't see them last time I was there.
1: I never get Myrtle Beach anymore. I used to get it all the time and I haven't had it in probably, well, obviously I didn't have it at all last year, really. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had one in Myrtle Beach later in so long. Yeah. Last time I was at Myrtle Beach, uh, we went down to the boardwalk and we got on the swings and we went down the slide um that they have at the boardwalk (laughs) (laughs) it was just like it was all five of us just being you know kids yeah Uh,
1: myrtle beach is probably a close second to to san diego because all the places on the beach have really good happy hour specials and everybody's usually excited for it to be sunny and so the crew usually wants to go do stuff so right right yeah
0: yeah so it's uh, it's not so bad um what's your worst experience that you've had since you've been a flight attendant
1: um, I think probably like the one that made the biggest impression on me, um, actually having like right before um, shelter in place, it was kind of when we weren't sure how everything was going to be mm-hmm. going and like if air travel was going to get shut down or if things are going to shut down. And um, it was actually Friday the 13th. Mm. and I think it was supposed to be like a three or four leg day I don't even remember exactly what we did fly but I know that like one of our legs got canceled because we ended up in New Orleans and this is before obviously we knew like the false severity of what was going to happen right and we actually went out in the quarter that night like we went that- and got Um, boiled crawfish. We went on, like, they hadn't been to New Orleans before. So we went on the ghost tour that I loved. I went to LSU. So I love, uh, which is in Baton Rouge. So whenever I take friends to New Orleans, I love to make them go on the ghost tour because I get a lot of good history, but it's also just really fun. Right. Um, you get to drink while you're on the ghost tour, which is never, never a bad thing. So we were actually out in the quarter, which we just went on the tour and then went back because we had to fly the next morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, we actually out in the quarter, the, like one of the last nights that it was open, um, like, I think that next day was when really everybody started to go into shelter in place. Right. Um, that was when, um, New Orleans started spiking really bad post Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't know that that was going to happen, but that happened. But that morning was horrible. So like that night made up for it, but, um, people were still going on spring break. And it was kind of at that point in time where we were all wondering if air travel needed to be, or was going to be shut down to it. This wasn't controlling spread at this time. So we thought it was like to prevent is what we were thinking. I think, or I don't know, probably um, around that time in early March, because a lot, it was right before like the huge outbreak started happening in New Orleans and New York and stuff like that. And so, we were still thinking that maybe if they had shut, shut down like domestic air travel for a couple of weeks, that this was like a, a containable thing. Like no one knew how this was going to be, but it was very tense, um, on the airplane. Like some people were wearing masks. Some people weren't like, some people were saying that you shouldn't be traveling, but then it's still like full on spring break season. And so we were in Atlanta, which, uh, can be interesting. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were on our smaller plane where there's only three flight attendants. And so I was the only flight attendant up front at the time. The other flight attendants were in the cabin or in the back galley. Wow. And um, so I'm greeting everybody, you know, saying good morning and everything. And I watch um, a young man come on board. And I really didn't think anything of it until he started seat hopping, um, mm-hmm. which for those of you that are flight attendants, People will just sit down in a random seat and try to see if they can stay there so they can be closer to the front of the plane or they want a window seat or they want an aisle seat or they want like a more comfortable, whatever seat they think they want. And so I had watched him like bounce all around the plane, but I kind of was like, as long as it's not messing up weight and balance and he's sitting down in a seat bump. There's so much, I can, it's not like I can go into the cabin because I have to stay at the front door, um, to like check on it. And so I was like, if he saw me weird towards the end of boarding, like I'll call back and have them check his boarding pass, but he wasn't doing anything that like, like was concerning other than I was just like, it's kind of weird that he keeps hopping around, but also like that can happen. it doesn't happen as much now because people are very much like about their space, but like mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic seat hopping happened
0: all the all time. time. All the time. Oh, I see it. I'm like every single airline too, that I've that I've non revved on. It's been like I'll be sitting in my seat, and then so and, and I'm sitting next to somebody with the middle seat open. And then uh, as soon as like the flight attendant turns around, they like s- just sneak over to the other one. Who's like, what was the point of that? <laughs> like, my
1: favorite is when people are like, oh, I thought you didn't have assigned seats. And I'm like, guys, there's one airline that doesn't have assigned seats. One. One.
0: One. That's
1: it. one that's it and I'm like this is not it. <laughs> this, this is not it um, <laughs> so I'm kind of watching him and then I like things happen paperwork comes the gay agent is checking people's passes and zones and making sure everything so mm-hmm. that we can get ready to close up and be on our way and everything and I think we're only fine like Fort Lauderdale so short short flight like right. super short flight I think it's like a 45 minute like Actual, and it's probably blocked longer than that, but your actual time in the air is maybe 45 minutes. So she moves some people around, um, and to like put some families together and just like accommodate some people, move some mm-hmm. people to the exit road so they have a more leg room. There's like stuff like that. And so she's taking care of all of it so that we don't have to worry about them being in the right place. She had already figured it out, right? And so she came up and she's like, Okay, I moved everybody, like, we're gonna go make sure there's not anybody else back up top, we'll be down to close in whatever she told me. Mm -hmm. So she leaves and I'm just kind of hanging out. We have a couple of pilots sitting in the second row. And, um, so I was making sure that like they had everything they needed since they were um, commuting into work and stuff like that. And, um, I don't know if they're commuting or maybe one of them, one of them was commuting and one of them had flown our prior leg and was like dead heading back to base. Mm -hmm. And so, um, super nice guys and so i was just kind of talking to them and all of a sudden i see the seat hopper Uh just start like casually walking all the way up the aisle to row one Uh. and just plops down in row one with headphones on like won't make eye contact with me and i'm like this is sketchy as hell because he had already been seat hopping so like seat hopping itself, not suspicious Seat hopping and then strolling up to the front of the plane when we're about to close is suspicious because right. like what a lot of people don't think about is we actually we're not just saying hello to you when you come on the plane like we are observing for like people that can help us in an emergency like making sure that there's not any weird security things going on making sure you're being safe trying to help you like all that stuff so all of that is happening while we're smiling and telling you good morning. Right. In our heads. Exactly. So I'm like, this guy has been hopping around. It's really weird. Now he's sitting in the front. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me just make sure like where he's supposed to be seated. This is no big deal. So I'm like, hey, sir, like, how are you doing? Can I see your boarding pass? No. And I'm like, okay, well, if you don't want to show me your boarding pass, I need you to return to your ticketed seat. Um. And then I started thinking about, I was like, why won't he show me a boarding pass, like in my head? And he's like, she told me that that I could move up here. Well, there's two girls in the back. And one of them is my best friend who I, if possible, we always fly together. Right. And I know, good and well, neither one of them just sent someone some someone up there without calling and Probably, telling you. Right, exactly. So I'm like, she who? And he's like, the girl in the back. So I call just to like, try to like de-escalate the situation. I was like, maybe they just forgot to call me. Maybe it got busy. She was like, nope. And she, he's, she was like, the gate agent did talk to him. So she might've moved him. So I asked him, well, did the gate agent move you? And he was like, I told you she, but he didn't confirm gate agent. And I was like, okay, like, no problem. If you'll just give me your boarding pass. I can, um, like just confirm that she moved you to the seat. Cause I just literally was thinking like this guy is being really abrasive about trying to stay in the front row right now. Okay. And so in my mind, I'm thinking about like flight security, right. not about like anything else other than that. And, but I'm also trying to be really calm. So then he starts going off on me and like yelling at me and calling me a racist and cursing me out will not give me his boarding pass. And like, I um, this was even before any of the George Floyd stuff had happened. And I take like being compassionate, no matter who you are, like so seriously. And so I started getting like, Upset because this literally had nothing to do with it. I I wasn't like, oh my god, why are you sitting here? And I literally just wanted his boarding pass. And I was gonna let him stay there. I just wanted to make sure that like we knew where he was and, and that, that he was he's actually there, right? Right? Like he's actually and, and he he wasn't anything sketchy. And literally, this was an observation based on his behavior, not in any way what he looked like. And he was trying to make it about that. So he's yelling at me so loudly that the like frat boys from like whatever colleges in Atlanta that are going down to Fort Lauderdale for spring break are videotaping it. And he's just like reaming me like to the point where like, I just don't even have it, Like, I'm just not even arguing with him. I'm just like, well, just give me your boarding pass and I can take care of it. Like what? So finally I just walk into the flight deck and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like this guy is yelling at me. I don't know what I did. I don't know why he's so upset. He won't give me a boarding pass. He like was seat hopping and then came up to the front. And so like, to me, that was automatic security risk. And so like, I think that that's what people don't realize is sometimes when we're asking people on a plane, we're not looking at like, like, yeah, we're not looking at like we're like, their- judging you or right. anything. Like we're watching your behavior. Like this could have been a soccer mom, right? And she had acted the way he acted. I still would have been like flight risk. I'm concerned.
0: And even like- and like the thing <laughs> is, like some soccer moms are worse than yes. any anybody yes. else in the entire like in the entire industry. <laughs> like they so, are the worst. Yeah. So
1: in the time that I go on the flight deck, he gets on FaceTime with his friend and it's FaceTiming his friend, like pointing to me, cursing about me, like all this stuff. And so finally the gate agent comes back and I'm like, I think we might have to remove him. Like I have to sit up here by myself. He will not calm down. And they were like, well, do you want him off the flight? And I was like, if he can't calm down, like I'm not going to be able to do my job if something does happen. And I'm concerned about how abrasive right because like at this point he's being so adamant about I had asked him to like step to the back of the cabin because I thought maybe giving some like separation because and that is actually our procedure if we don't know where you're supposed to sit you're supposed to hang out in the back galley while we figure it out like I tried everything and he just was so 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 they um uh the gay agents ended up taking him out and talking to the jet bridge and like basically laying down the law for me they were great and it's it's gate agents that I had I'd been flying through Atlanta a lot at that point in time, and so they kind of knew me and knew that I'm not a trouble starter. That like I only bring things up. and I think it's a like safety security thing. And I was just trying to like make sure that people were in the right seats, and like it was just kind of weird. And they agreed, and they're like, yeah, we did actually tell him he could move up. And they're like, we're really sorry. Like we thought that we ha- he had already moved. And that you knew, and and like basically put the fear of God in him. That like if he said a word on the flight, that like the Broward County Sheriff Office was going to meet him. <laughs> 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 I, was like, I was like, you don't have to tell him that. Like I'm not, like I'm not trying to be mean. I just like he, he was being weird. We never. We realized later because we were just so done with it and wanting to just get the flight over with at that point, we realized that none of the crew members were ever able to get to see his boarding pass, so we never actually confirmed that he had a boarding pass or not. And so um, that's probably my worst experience because I felt so horrible because like I'm trying to do my job to the best of my ability and like be respectful, and then I just I've never been yelled at at work like that.
0: And I just feel like a lot of, a lot of times, like, like you said, we are looking at your behavior. We're not looking at the way that you look, the way that you dress, who you're with. We're looking at what you're doing. And if what you're doing is shady, like sea hopping or like, I don't know, just, you know, like hiding something or, you know, pretending that, or, that you're hiding something. Or
1: like, I notice that you're pouring things Right, we haven't done service, but <laughs> exactly. like, we know, when you're being shady, because it's literally
0: our job. Right, <laughs> like it's not about anything else except for your behavior, because that's exactly what we're there for. We're there for the security of the aircraft, and if something happens, we're like the fir- we're the first responders. We're the ones, we're the last, we're the last defense between us and the flight deck, and like we have to take care of business, and people don't realize that.
1: Yeah, so like I. And I tell people this all the time, especially my friends that don't fly a lot, or people that ask me for travel tips. I'm like, if a flight attendant, a pilot, a gate agent, any airline employee asks you to do something or asks you for something, I guarantee you it's for a reason. And they're not trying to be like jerks or on power trips. And don't get me wrong, there's people like that in every job. But like nine times out of 10, when I've been flying, like for fun. Or I've been flying, um, like deadheading, or just working and watching my other like friends work. If when we're asking you to do something, it's because we're asking you for something like your boarding pass. It's like flight related and has nothing to do with what we think about you as a person. Um, I think that's one of the most frustrating things to me. I will not argue with people on planes about dumb things. Um, if I am going out of my like customer service voice, <laughs> um, and talking to you about something, or I have to talk to you about something more than once you can guarantee it's something that's related to the safety of the flight, like your bag that you're going to trip over. If I have to evacuate the plane or your seatbelt, cause I don't want you to smack your head. If we have turbulence or fall out of your chair or whatever, <laughs> my- or not standing up during turbulence.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, that is the worst. <laughs> just, like, literally, the captain will come on and say, we've asked the flight attendants to remain seated. And then the first thing that somebody does gets up from the window seat, making like the two I'll people up to go to the freaking bathroom.
1: <laughs> just like, Did you and, then they, and then they make a line and they're standing <laughs> over you. And the turbulence is so bad that we're like buckled in and you're like, please don't fall on me. Please
0: go back to your seat. <laughs> I know it's like why and then you tell them it's like hey it's it's bumpy like you can't tell it it's like but can I go to the bathroom (laughs) and we and a
1: lot of people don't realize we legally are not allowed to say that you're allowed to be out of your seat like we are we want you to go to the bathroom no one wants you to pee on you them the seat the plane anything we want you to be able to go to the bathroom but we also want you to not have a broken arm because If we hit a huge bump and you break your arm, you're probably gonna pee on yourself anyways. And then I'm gonna have to take care of your broken arm with your pee on yourself
0: exactly I just thought I'm like if it's an emergency I'm not going to stop you but also just know that the airline takes no responsibility over any injuries you may incur <laughs> that's it and it's
1: like it's really not safe I can't tell you not to go but it's really not safe you should be wearing a seatbelt right now <laughs> right,
0: exactly it's just it's
1: ridiculous
0: it's ridiculous so, I well, love I'm to-
1: I'm like, that flight attendants are wearing seatbelts how is that not a cue <laughs>
0: If you're like, if the people that are there to save you are wearing their seatbelts, why are you not wearing them? (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. Um, Are you reading any fun books? Ooh,
1: um I'm reading. So I probably everybody has been binging this recently over the holidays. So um, Virgin River from Netflix. There's uh-huh. actually a book series oh, also. Yeah. Um, so I have like a, I um, like to do um, like the Kindle books uh, from my library because uh-huh. it's free because I read a lot, when, especially when I'm working. And um, then they're portable. I don't have to carry all the books around. Ooh, I see your whole stack of books right there. <laughs> right, so hold on. Hold on. That's not it. A little more. (laughs) Yeah, we're not in my room with all my books because I'm in the living room, but like, yeah, my office just has stacks of books everywhere Um, (laughs) because I do actually prefer regular books, but so I'm reading the Virgin River series. Um, So I'm on the second one and it's very different than the um, Netflix show. Like it's the same characters, but it's a little bit different storyline. So it's kind of interesting and it's kind of like a little bit trashy romance read, but it's nice. Um, But in, what else have I read recently? Oh, like I the other the other book that's on my um Kindle and like uh our work device right now is um it's that it's one of the Malcolm Malcolm Goodwill books. Um oh my gosh, I can't think of what it's called. But that's like as soon as I finish this book, I'm switching that. So I'm I'm really all over the place. And then like during December, I was reading um a book called Tap Code, um, that's about um POWs from Vietnam it's written from oh, one of the, cool. his perspective and then also a little bit from his wife's perspective and it was actually a really eye-opening book I don't think I knew that much necessarily about I knew that there were POWs I knew they were over there for a long time obviously I knew John McCain was one of them And that's mm-hmm. about probably the extent that I really knew right You know, a lot of them were pilots, which interested me because we work in aviation, but I didn't know like the extent of how everything really was. And so it was really eye opening, like interesting um, part of history and how how things have happened. So um, it was really cool the way that they banded together to uh, survive. So if anyone likes military history, that's a good one.
0: so I'm very all over the map (laughs) I mean it's good to have like different interests especially like since you're reading them on kindle and you're you know we're flying so much then it's it's easy to like go back and forth if like one book's get one book gets too like sedentary for what you're doing and you know like it's so you need some excitement
1: yeah I usually have at least two or three on there well a because sometimes I if, if we get one of those long long flights where no one needs anything I'll speed read and then I'll be like well crap I just read this whole book and I still have two more days <laughs> right. so I try to have multiple books going
0: <laughs> yeah so we would yeah just uh especially uh, like on those red eye flights where there's nothing else to do because everyone's sleeping I have to like have a uh, one of my lovely books that I'm actually so I've already read a lot of these books but it's by I'm uh, one of my favorite authors so I'm like collecting all of her books yeah so um I think I'm missing like two or three but I think I'm almost done with the collection (laughs) all right yeah so um I'm just I'm still reading Lovecraft Country because it's for my book club and then um and then John Woman. I still like to finish that one. And then I, I started The Flight Attendant because I want to see the show after I'm done reading the book. Oh, have you not read it yet? Yeah, oh, no. it's, it's a good, okay. I'm like, I think I, I've only read like three chapters. So I don't know. It's kind of like, it's kind of weird at
1: first. Um, but then I ended up really liking it it's very different than books I normally read but of course I read it because it's called The Flight Attendant Mm -hmm. um and then I actually just finished I got like a free little in my FabFitFun box I got a free subscription for two weeks to HBO Max so I uh used it so I could watch The Flight Attendant (laughs) real quick and my my subscription ended. so now I'm I'm don't have HBO Max anymore but um (laughs) but it was worth it and I'm glad I got like a little code um to- it was, and it's one of those things. Like the show is a little bit different than the book, mm-hmm. but they both were really good.
0: Yeah, like I just, I'm excited. Season two. Is I know whatever. that's yeah. I heard there's going to be a season two, so I'm like, I, I should finish this. And the thing is, like, I read books pretty quickly. Like I could probably finish reading all of them, but I just don't want it to end. <laughs> so I like I'm taking my time. I get that. <laughs> Are you I mean, listening? You to- like
1: the world. <laughs> I know that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have so many books, though. I mean, I, I could probably. I, uh, when I was, this is like maybe almost, almost 12, 13 years ago. Um, my parents were like, we, it's like, we think you have a problem. And I was like, no, I don't have a problem. Like I don't, I'm not drinking like all the time. They're like, no, no, no. It's like, you need to stop buying books. in one month in like like eight or something, I bought $700 worth of books.
1: <laughs> okay. I've never bought that many, but this is also why I have a library card. So if I hadn't found this library card diversion, I might have been there. Um, but also my parents have no say in the matter because I was an only child and it's their fault. Because when I got good grades on report cards, um, we got to go to Chili's and Barnes and Noble was next door. So we got to go dinner at Chili's and I got like the chocolate shake, right. like the little chocolate shake. And then we I got to go pick out books at Barnes and Noble. Like my reward this is how nerdy I was. Awesome. Hey, my we for doing i in school was a chocolate shake and buying more
0: books. <laughs> That's a good it's, for it's, me. It's, the monster <laughs> for me. For me, reading was a way to um, help me increase my vocabulary because that Spanish is my first language. So, like for me, reading was a great help in increasing my vocabulary, and um, and it helped me learn more words, and it helped me learn you know, how to speak to different people. So at like, when I was in like 10th grade, I was reading at like a college level already and like communicating at a college level. Um, So that was, that was a really good help for me. And I just love reading. So after that, I was like, give me all the books I can have. Like I have, you know, the self-help books or like the psychology books. I have fiction, nonfiction, like history, Greek mythology, uh, you know, like religion. So I don't know. I just like to learn a lot of stuff.
1: No, I'm with you. That's my book collection is all over the place. Um, I literally can't even tell you how many books I've read. I'm right there with you. And I think reading is so important. I wish we um, emphasized reading a little bit more, especially today's culture, because I think it's a really good way to bridge like cultural gaps and generational mm-hmm. gaps and to learn and to improve your vocabulary like still to this day some of my friends and I live in Fort Worth so I have a lot of friends that are actually engineers for like Lockheed Martin and like help with designing airplanes or whatever mm-hmm. and I'll whip out a word and they'll be like where did that come from and I'm like books, books. yeah
0: books <laughs> books <laughs> I'll say where they're like what do you mean and I was like just it, it's 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 it means this and they're like well where do you learn like I don't know like you don't know this word I read it in a book I don't know
1: (laughs) and like if I didn't know it I went and um looked it up and I think one of the most poignant things that I have heard recently and it really changed the way that I interact with people sometimes Mm -hmm. um for the better um never make fun of someone for not being able to pronounce a word because it probably means they learned it by reading
0: Right. You know what? I actually had um, because a lot of, of our flight attendants are English is their second second language or their third language or whatever. Oh. Language. So their pronunciation isn't as clear as some of the other flight attendants or anybody else for that matter. So I was um, doing the demo. It was mid cabin and the flight attendant in the back, he was, you know, doing his demo. And then the guy in the exit row, he goes like, what is he speaking? He's not speaking English. And I was like, no, he's speaking English. And he was like, well, he doesn't sound like it. They should probably put another person that can speak English properly. And I was like, he is speaking English properly. Are you talking about his accent? Because he speaks three other languages other than English. He's like, well, I speak two, And I can, and you can still understand me. And I was like, well, and I can understand him. Like you like, I'm like, you're lucky enough not to have an accent when you speak in English, but he isn't. But he speaks Spanish, French, Italian, and English. So like, you know.
1: Like I speak English and then really, really bad Spanish. Like <laughs> I'm talking, I took plenty of Spanish in school, mm-hmm. but um, we didn't do a, like I guess I just had like crap. Well, I don't want to say crappy teachers because teachers work really hard, but like I didn't have teachers that made us um Like we did a lot of book work. Like I can read, like if I'm, if we're reading a map and figuring out where to go, I'm here for it. Like I can read (laughs) in Spanish and I can actually understand as long as people aren't talking really fast, I can usually understand like a good, like gist of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, uh, I know now I have like an alarm going off. I don't even remember what else I have today, why this is going off. Hold on, let me grab it. (laughs) Oh, It's literally just like one of those little things. It's like an alarm that to like remind, like I have, it's weird on my phone. I have like, um, kind of like little mantras or little like reminders. Sometimes they just go off during like, that I have set to go off at like different times during okay. my like, work day. So like remind me things <laughs> just like, not even like reminders of like, I need to do this, but like, just like, a, uh, you've got this, like, yeah. Like that. Um. But then it's like an automatic thing, and so I can just turn it on. But that's what one of them was. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. It's, everyone so, should have something like that.
1: Yeah. But so I never learned to have conversations in Spanish. That's what I was trying to say. Um. I never learned to have conversations in Spanish. Um. And so I can. I and it never fails when we're on a fight where we need a Spanish-speaking flight attendant. I somehow end up being with my very poor Spanish skills. The only fire that knows any Spanish. Yeah, and they're like, "You're from Texas, you know." I'm like, mm,
0: "It's it's different." <laughs> no, it's different and when no. you're like immersed in that culture or like that country. To- yeah learning it like just by reading and you know or hearing it or something like that and
1: and so i have so much respect for people that learn english because english is one of the hardest languages we are so fortunate here in america that we grow up learning it and are immersed in it like having to learn it another way like blows my mind because i should for the amount of spanish instruction i've had i should not struggle like i struggled i honestly that's another thing on my travel list I want to find like a Spanish Im- immersion program and like go do it so that I can become more fluent because like I really have no excuse right so, Like I, I have like the knowledge is locked away somewhere there in my brain I just need to get it to like come out of my mouth when I try to speak I literally think I sound like a, a little kindergartner trying
0: to talk to people sometimes hey but at least you're trying <laughs> and it, that's more than some people who don't even they're like oh no well you know I'm not gonna speak it you know
1: no, like I and I luckily I know all my numbers and letters really well. So, like, I can at least help people get um, around on the airplane. And I know like window and aisle and the mid, middle and stuff like that. And so, um, I'm like above and below. And if I like, I do like a little refresher for myself. If I know that we might have like, especially if we're um, doing like flights where I know we might have more Spanish speakers, I like refresh myself because it just makes it easier for them. It makes them easier for. Me, it makes them feel more comfortable, and so um it's just one of those things I really want to improve on because I think it will
0: make my. I think it'll enrich my life. So yeah, it does definitely. Are you listening to any podcasts besides this one?
1: <laughs> um, I listen to this one, um, and then uh, what else have I been listening to recently? Um, I li- I since that because I've been doing real estate stuff, I've been listening to like Grant Cardone. Mm -hmm. um, his podcast, the Cardone Zone, um, a little bit. And then, um, I listened to probably my favorite podcast. It's called The Miscellaneous Podcast. It's Elena Davies. She was on Big Brother, um, but she's actually from Texas. Um, I actually bump into her occasionally in Fort Worth. And so it's kind of funny, like her podcast is hilarious. She's like no filter or anything. And so it's just kind of funny to like, Podcast, like I thought it was really cool when you invited me on yours, um, to um to like someone that you kind of tangentially know, um, and then listen to their podcast because you get to learn so much more about them. I, I love the podcast medium. I really like listening to people. And then probably the other one that I listen to a lot, um, it's called Empower Her. It's very much like a self-help, like girl power, like entrepreneurial type podcasts. And so I listen it's shorter episodes that I listen to when I'm kind of like trying to like pump myself up and like keep going and achieve my business goals, things like that.
0: <laughs> That's good. I need to listen to a couple of those uh podcasts myself. I've been listening all of-
1: <laughs> to you then.
0: I know I've been listening to the double cleanse with uh, the Welsh twins. One of them is a makeup artist and like they're both, they both uh, do YouTube's, uh, YouTube videos and that's actually how I was able to like get my skin to clear up like from the acne, from the masks. Yeah. Oh, I so, need to know. Yeah. So um, that one is uh, James Welsh and, um, and then Robert Welsh, he's a makeup artist and he's like, he does like very like natural um, like just makeup and he'll do more dramatic stuff. But, um, but I started listening to or watching him because he does, um, ghost stories and makeup on Mondays. So, right. So I'll just like be not really there for the makeup, but I end up looking at it because it's there, but he just like reads ghost stories on Mondays while he does his makeup. And That's then, him and, and then him and his brother have this podcast It's called a double cleanse. Um, and then just to, like a lot of like a lot of independent podcasts that are following um, us on Instagram. One of them is the Detox on the Rocks podcast. And so they're, you know, they're pretty cool. It looks like they have a lot of interesting things. So I'm going to have to like check them out for sure. It says, um, introducing Detox Bedtime Stories. Oh, and feel good news. Ooh. So that could be cool. I like that. I don't have to go check them out. Yeah. Anyway, but um, so in lieu of the galley gossip today. I'm just going to talk, in in honor of uh, Black History Month, we're going to talk about Ruth Carol Taylor, uh, Taylor, and she was the first African-American flight attendant in the United States. She was born in Boston into a uh, family of Black, white, and Cherokee heritage. Taylor attended Elmira College and graduated as a registered nurse from the Bellevue School of Nursing in, in New York City. She was hired in December of 57, and then on February 11th of 1958, Taylor was the flight attendant on a Mohawk airlines flight from Ithaca to New York. The first time such a position had been held by an African-American. She was also, uh, but she was also let go six months later uh, as a result of the, of Mohawk's then common law marriage. Um, so Back then, you couldn't, you know, if you were a flight attendant, you couldn't get married or get pregnant. So Taylor was later significantly involved uh, in covering the 1963 march on Washington as an activist for consumer affairs and women's rights, And she wrote the little black book, Black Male Survival in America in 1985, whose purpose is to save save lives, the lives of black African males who are on the endangered list. And then, uh, and then in 2008, 50 years after her, her historic flight, her accomplishments were formally recognized by the New York state assembly, which I think is pretty cool. So I don't like there, there's so much history there. There's like, so I, our industry, I don't know if you've listened to, um, one of the other episodes where we like went through like the first flight attendants or like the first, um. They were called flight boys, uh, flight, and they were the sons of the owners of the airlines, and those were the first flight attendants. Um, so I just, I like to throw in some things, but I think right now it's really important to, like, just um, recognize from all walks of life and, like, from all races and from everything, especially with a world things art, everybody has accomplishments that goes into the art industry. So...
1: I agree. I think aviation history is such like a colorful and like amazing, like coming together of like everybody. And that's one of the reasons why I love travel. Um, I, know. I feel like it's a whole education to itself. It opens your eyes. It opens your heart. It opens you to just all different kinds of experiences. And I think as uh, people who work in aviation, and it's kind of like a little bit our. Like mantle, so to speak, to like share share that with everyone.
0: Right, exactly. Do you have anything else you want to add? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just everyone stay safe, and hopefully, we get to see a lot
1: more of you in the skies here shortly if the vaccines start going well.
0: Right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That's all. I don't really have anything else either. But thank you for coming on and um, letting us hear about your side business and how that's going so well I'm really happy for you yeah. thank you, you so much, much for coming
1: back on. on let me know <laughs> yeah no I'll have to come back on in like another few months and let y'all know now <laughs> that I'm like permanently back, flying, how the balance is is going because like I've been really lucky I haven't had to like balance too many things but now I'm starting to get busier in real estate and travel hopefully hopefully we'll be picking back up. And so, um, it should, should be getting to be an even more interesting ride. So I'm
0: excited. I'm excited to look, (laughs) look forward to all of that. And that's it for me guys. Stay safe, fly safe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and, um, It's the Flight Attendant Podcast on Instagram and at Stay Safe, Fly Safe on Twitter. And then we have our Gmail, the Flight Attendant Podcast at Gmail um, or the website. And then send us your concerns, questions, comments, your galley gossips, anything else you want to talk about if you want to be on the show. And I'll see you guys next week. Okay, Bye. bye.